fuck you, Craig. If you screw that up again, I swear I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to unscrew all your light fixtures. For you... a professional operation, do not screw that up or you're going to lose your job. You are super over dramatic. Um, because we both know that Craig owns you and you're nothing compared to Craig. Wait, what? <laughs> Craig works for me, Jeff. <laughs> so for people out there, for people out there, Craig forgot to hit the record button. So we had a conversation of an hour about the movie that we actually gonna be talking today, The Living No. The Living Dead, I think is the name of the movie. Jess, before we get into the movie, let's just, you know, let's level set with the audience. There was no previous recording. This is the first time we've ever talked. That was just a bit. We're not upset. We're not angry. We're not. Yes, yes. You're totally right. We should level set with the audience. Audience, Seth is correct little bitch. He does not want to admit it. So he's a little bit angry because we have to do this again. And Craig is just smiling because he can stop the recording whenever he wants. No, it's not like we've already spent an hour doing this podcast before and lost it. No, (laughs) this is the first time. We now don't have like it took us three episodes to lose our our one shot episode already. So that's that is disappointing. But here we are. This is the first time we've recorded this. All right, let's go. I guess before we get into the movie. I have a show announcement to make. Do you mind if I if I get that out of the way? Uh, if it's about insulting Craig, I'm going to ignore it and I'm going to no, keep no, no. going. No, we've already dealt with Craig. He's in my closet. He's not going to make <laughs> any more noise or problems during this show. So anyway, so so my my announcement is I've crunched some numbers. I've done some analytics. Um, I've been looking at kind of our podcast and our direction and I don't think that the way we're currently going is going to get either one of us to retirement. I think we're going to have to switch it up a little bit. I So I've decided, I haven't run this by you, and I know you're 30% of this business. So um, I, I, I've decided- Craig is 70, so you're nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I've decided to switch this. Let's, let's do a political podcast. Forget this movie stuff. Forget this horror stuff. We're going to go into politics. I have a question. Um, this is due because of your anger that we have to do this episode again, or you actually run, ran, ran the um. No, no, I numbers. ran the numbers. I ran the numbers. This is a sound, calm decision. So, <laughs> so all the analytics tell me. Okay, so the the first, so you know, politics. It, you know, it's it's stressful time. So we, we want to lighten things up. Let's talk about let's talk about Supreme Court justices, but let's talk about what they they like to eat. Oh, talk about food. <laughs> so it's food with politics right. i don't think i'm ready for this podcast i think i'm more ready for horror content well so. we're let's let's give it a shot let's give it a shot sure. if it doesn't sure. work we can pivot to something else the only reason i'm doing this i know pissed off craig so go ahead all right so i have an insider in the white house they know what all these goons eat and so we're going to talk about it. What's the insider person's name? No, no, no. I can't reveal my sources. Let's just say, hmm, let's just say they may provide some of the food that these uh, Supreme Court justices are having for lunch. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. 
So they're not a chef, but instead a waiter. <laughs> they are definitely not a chef and not a waiter and not anyone <laughs> involved in the White House <laughs> or the government. Okay, fun, fun. Um, please let us know two justice, supreme justices, and what do they eat? All right. Well, we'll go. We'll go with uh, Samuel Alito first. Can you can you take a guess of what his uh, favorite food is? Um, I'm gonna tell that Samuel likes some pea soup. Ooh, pea soup! Everyone's favorite. Mm. No, no, no. Sammy just so this is kind of weird, but Sammy always requests four slices of white bread. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> those chefs work hard (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, my friend really no i mean my friend that's not a chef really enjoys you know (laughs) making lunch for this guy just slap some is it homemade white slice of bread or is it like what's it called a wonderland yeah the wonder bread it's the fortified wonder bread it's got all he needs all the sustenance (laughs) uh what about the other supreme court justice all right, well, let's go with Billy Barr here. Billy? Oh, shoot, I fucked that up. <laughs> what? We're gonna, I'm going to have to cut that. Damn it. <laughs> it's because there's no Supreme Court called Billy. <laughs> there, there's not. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yes, we can definitely do a political podcast. You are 100% right. We are incredibly ready. There's no editing, Seth. There's yeah, there's no, no editing. editing. We're just going to let's let's continue on this a bit. <laughs> what I meant to say is we're going to talk about Brett Kavanaugh, everyone's favorite justice. Oh, uh, I know what he eats. I know, definitely know what he eats. Children? No, he eats Papa John pizza. <laughs> that's what he eats and papa john the ceo delivers deliver it to to him personally you are you were probably right but what he maybe that's a dinner but what he eats for lunch is every single day for all of the time that he's been at the white house he has a ham sandwich for lunch and not just any ham sandwich it's a ham sandwich that is soaked in bourbon and it's not it's not like a glazed like bourbon like on the on ham it's like the whole sandwich is dunked in bourbon so I've, wait wait before you keep going like can i just keep going with that fact that's a um, fact yeah that the bread is it is it wonder bread as well or is it Oh, that's a good question. I don't know, because I'm assuming because Alito just takes four slices of Wonder Bread. So yeah, well, I don't know. You have the insider. Yeah, I I don't know that detail, but I'm guessing since four slices go to Alito for his lunch, then there's some left over. And so I'm guessing that they use the same bread. I don't think he really gives a shit what bread he's eating. I think it's the uh, I think it's the bourbon that's the Wait, key here. Wait, before you keep going, the ham is it Oscar Mayer's ham or is it like is it Oscar Mayer makes ham? Oscar Mayer, they, yeah, yeah, I'm Meyer, sure they yeah. do. I'm sure they do some <laughs> ham product. No, I think this is like good quality ham. Oh, it's good quality ham for the bourbon to soak in. Right, but but I mean, maybe to illustrate this, can we do some role playing? Do you enjoy sure. role playing? Sure. All right, Let's, so. Uh, so I'm going to be Brett Kavanaugh. Okay. Because um, that's pretty fitting. And then you're going to be RBG. 
too early, too early, Seth, too early. <laughs> no, no, okay, so so let's pretend we spilled some toxic waste on RBG's grave. Oh, now, okay. And now she's this living dead girl, so she's back. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, we're having lunch at the White House. I don't know, picture a huge round table. You've got Brett at one end, you've got Ruth at the other. All right, and so they, they're getting out their, their lunches, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so hello, Ruth. How are you? Oh, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got this Nalgene bottle that's filled with bourbon. You want to watch me dunk my ham sandwich into it? And I, I cut diagonally, but I don't do the triangle slices. I do the stupid thing where I cut the like rectangular slices. And then I jam one of the slices into the Nalgene bottle. <laughs> Not just a quick dunk, but I like slosh it around a little bit. And so I'm assuming you're watching, Ruth. Are you watching me? I feel like the only thing I'm thinking is like, I'm Ruth. I came back to life. And this is a piece of shit that I have to look at. <laughs> Someone having lunch while they're explaining me how they dip in their sandwich in bourbon. I'm just angry for her. And so I'm, I'm pulling out the half, the rectangular half, and I'm squeezing all the bourbon out like above my head. And I'm just like, I have my mouth like a gape and all the bourbons just dripping into my mouth. It's a slow motion, like brick kind of, I have like the power to make a slow motion. Yeah. It's like a sexy ham sandwich thing. <laughs> Ew, it's disgusting. And it's like so, a sponge. I'm just squeezing out the bourbon and then Ruth is just watching me. Like she's so hungry. I don't know. I don't know if she's watching or starving. I feel she's standing up and trying to walk away as we're going to be walking away from this podcast because this is not for us <laughs> this isn't working <laughs> it's not working so we are just going to go back to what we are here for why quick is paying us and we're going to have horror podcast and today we're going to be talking about the living dead what's the name of the of the movie that we watched uh it's the in the english it's the living dead girl the living in- dead girl in French, it's uh, hmm, hmm. Yeah. La Morte Vivante. Ooh. Okay, so yes, it is a French film. I'm very glad you mentioned it. Because we were diverse that way. We saw an English film. We went back to Italy. And now we have touched base into France. And Luckily, you the, speak all of these languages. I do. I just don't want to show off in the podcast. Um so the reason that this movie has chosen and i know why we watched this movie is is because of the director um seth can you say what is the director name and also can you talk about um why this director is one of your favorites yeah so the director is jean roland um say that one more time (laughs) it's it's jean roland Yeah. uh, So he was a he's a French director, kind of in the Euro horror genre. But he traditionally made a lot of very low budget, um, quite a bit of vampire movies. Um, But he kind of split his time between making these kind of trashy horror movies and actually making porn. And I think the porn was to like supplement so that he could make more horror movies. Um, You know when when you say that, you know who. When when you explain explain me that about that director, which is very fascinating, 
You know who immediately who he remind me of? Who is that, Jess? It's actually us because. Oh, because we're were... both starring in porn and we both do horror. (laughs) No, for the viewer out there that you guys do not know, actually, this is not the only podcast that we have. We also do another podcast that is called At the End of the Hole. And it's where we watch pornography and we actually um, um, review them to see how much we like them. And the reason we do that podcast is so we can so we can do this actual podcast, which is which is actually our passion. Yeah, surprisingly, that makes a whole lot more money and gets a whole lot more viewers than this Wouldn't one. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Wouldn't you? Details in the show description if you would like to check that out. It's actually family friendly too. We try to keep it PG-13, so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then in the description to tell it, we link our favorite podcast, um, not podcast, our favorite episode of that podcast. So um, keep going talking about directors. This is, it's very exciting when people kind of do the same thing to to do their passions. <laughs> I'm glad you uh, connected those dots, Jess. <laughs> I don't even know where I was, but yeah. So so Jean Roland, um, he's kind of an auteur in every sense of the word, which is interesting. Working in this horror genre, I feel like he um, he's kind of boxed in by different constraints like producers and money you know a lot of times he'd get you know like a script or a direction that he was kind of required to go um towards with a you know by a producer and he would kind of make it his own you know and print his style on that you know it's kind of his style is a lot of like almost fairy tale a lot of dreamy sequences um you know, there's obviously kind of the trashy horror elements. There's a lot of sex. There's a lot of um, gore when when that was required. Um, and, you know, like he'd get constraints. Like in this one, one of the constraints was, you know, this needs to be a zombie movie. This needs to be a gory zombie movie. But he'd turn that on his head on his head and say, you know, no, I don't I don't really want to make a zombie <laughs> movie. I'd rather make you know, a vampire movie. And I'd rather make this a very personal movie and have a, you know, very kind of heartfelt plot to it. Um, and so, you know, he'd kind of work around the system in that way. And, you know, that's why I really like him. And that's true of a lot of movies that um, are in this low budget, um, you know, the low budget horror kind of genre is, you know, you don't always get to choose th- your material and your direction, but you can kind of make it your own. And I find that really cool. I was not aware that this movie needed to be zombie. I can kind of almost see it now after you mention it because right. the lead um, Catherine was eating people, but I definitely got the vampire vibe over the um, the zombie vibe. Right. Like you could, like if you just watch this movie, you're like, yeah, this is a vampire movie, but you know, if if somebody asked you to make a zombie movie, you could say, okay, yeah, you, you know, that's an undead person. You know, that person. <laughs> like, <Petey> Bo- <laughs> yeah. So it, it's a cool mixture of a zombie and a vampire, um, the vampire genres. And, uh, you know, I've, I haven't seen something like that before. Uh, uh, do you know what is the strict director thoughts of Americans? Because there was two Americans in that, in that movie. And I feel like they were very... A little bit stereotypical kind of Americans. 
<laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, what do you think of those scenes? Like, honestly, I thought that, well, at, at least fight what you're explaining right now. I feel like then part of the budget was to include American in this, in this film. And he kind of like separate them most in the movie. It almost felt like out of place and like kind of put it together in the end because he have to, but it felt like it was completely, well, it didn't feel, it was actually a subplot that was e- like, it, it could be easily edited out. Yeah, um, and it was bad too, right? Like those actors were not good. <laughs> like I'm an actress, I'm not a <laughs> photographer. <laughs> Let me take some photos. <laughs> yeah, like to me, that that's like, you know how you, in a horror movie, you've got maybe, you've got your victim, so you need to at least flesh them out a little bit. So maybe you have like a three minute scene about, oh, this person is you know taking care of their mom or this person is having these struggles and then they get killed right and and like this was like took it to the extreme where there's you know this like subplot that's like uh, like a third of the movie about (laughs) americans um (laughs) yeah and so i i think that kind of plays into what i was talking about before so another interesting side note on this movie is that there was an american director on set with roland throughout this and that that director was making the same the same movie apparently this this living dead girl only you know filming it in english and so instead of dubbing roland's film they decided to just hire a cheap director to do this um in english and Which, so unfortunately we couldn't find yeah I, I don't know from what i've read that's lost or you know it's never been released so i we couldn't find it but that'd be really really interesting to see the same movie made by some hack american director and then place it next to roland with the same kind of budget Concept. constraints yeah I, I don't know but um anyway my my gut is that those two actors were part of that movie and i i don't even know if roland sh- shot that um portion of the film i kind of i kind of got the feeling that it was this other director but i i could be wrong i don't know that for sure i i felt that it, would, it seemed kind of odd but i guess i i was not thinking it was a different director um however one of my favorite scenes was actually was between the americans um <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so uh the two americans are barbara and greg barbara is as we hear many many times throughout the film she's an actress not a photographer however greg want her to be a photographer so they can hang out more together because when she's being an actress they i guess they cannot hang out together because she's always doing movies i don't know um What's up with Greg? Greg was I like, I don't know. Greg was Greg, like the first scene with Greg. He was completely like one of the nicest like she had him people. Wrap, yeah, she had him wrapped around her finger. Like he was going to do anything for her. Like he bought her cameras. He was just like doting on her completely. And then like the next scene, Greg wakes up and he's just like a total dick. Well, my guess, he's not a morning, morning person. So maybe <laughs> I, <laughs> maybe I relate to that. Like I'm super nice in the afternoon, but I haven't had my coffee. Like, don't talk to me in the morning. So, <laughs> I don't know. I thought he had like split personalities, maybe. <laughs> it's that coffee, but no, I do agree. He was very um, controlling. I guess he 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 really wanted Barbara to do whatever he wanted. And one of my favorite scene was um, 
Barbara keep wanting to learn about this dead person that she this dead person that she took a photo of, which um, we will talk a little bit a little bit about it later. How the town reacted to her comment, but she wanted to figure out more about it. And Greg's like, "Nah, hang out with me. We need quality time." And she's like, no, I want, I want to go. And then Craig's like, too bad, I have the car. And then like the town <laughs> person is like, here, you can have my bike. And she's like, hop off and go. And Greg's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I laughed so much in that scene. Um, yeah, you don't, you, you just like offer your bike to anyone that wants it, right? I know, it's like, like great, great thing you've been living in a small town. We should move Actually, to France. This is or illity because well that small town everyone will kill us so I guess this one is nicer but um this is the second movie we have watched about um small towns so I just put that connection right now maybe the third one it's a big city (laughs) (laughs) and we're gonna see the rap boy (laughs) um anyhow uh so one interesting thing about the town was. Barbara took the photo of the living dead girl and she's showing it to people in the town and people are like, oh, she's dead. And then Barbara's like, no, I took a photo of her like two days ago and no one responded. People are like, okay, cool story, bro. And like walk away from her. Right. It's, it's totally normal. You usually just, you know, have these chemical spills and people come <laughs> back, feast on uh, the living and, you know, totally normal. <laughs> don't so, judge don't judge france that happens all the time <laughs> which kind of goes over a little bit about talking about the main character Catherine, the dead living girl who as says insinuated many times in our political podcast in our just now was she um i guess turned back to life because of the toxic um chemicals which i still don't agree because none of the toxic chemical fall on her so yeah it fell into the ground you know it's a very strong chemical yeah it fell on the ground and just through the wood of the the coffin (laughs) yeah and just woke her up woke her her up. up but so um you have really strong opinions about um her the awakening of that character so i'll give you time to kind of talk about it do i i have strong opinions i i mean correct makes you have strong opinions so go ahead (laughs) i mean i I guess what i it seemed like when she woke up she was technically moving but wasn't really alive you know like Mm -hmm. Like uh, the scene where she wakes up, she just kind of, this is the most zombie like the movie gets where she's kind of walking up the stairs, goes back to her house, right? And then, um, but she's definitely not with it. She's definitely not really understanding what's going on. It seems more instinct than Mm -hmm. um, action um, on her part. Like walking subconsciously, yeah. Right, and so like what I think about when I think about this movie is like, how old are you, Jess? I am 31. You're, you're, you're 24, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so ima- <laughs> imagine that. So when you were, what's your earliest memory? You remember your birth? Like I do? No, no I don't. What? You remember your birth? <laughs> yeah. Wait, before we even continue, can you explain? <laughs> what? Like the great white light. 
Oh yeah. It's like my first memory. Do you feel the pressure on your head or just like light? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get, let's save that for the uh, other podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> um, anyway, no, my earliest memory, as you know, is around I'm four years old, I think. Yeah, four or three. Okay, so, but like before that, it's just completely blank, right? Like there yeah. were there were ages and ages, years and years and years and years and years that existed that you were not in existence, right? But you have no memory recollection. It's like, bam, you were, you came into existence, right? Mm-hmm. And That's so how birth works, yeah. Sure, right? <laughs> but but it's it's kind of amazing when you think about it, right? Like all yeah. that time, you have no recollection, and then bam, you're there. Yeah. So imagine you get hit by a bus when you're, I'll, I'll give you a couple more years. So let's say you're 26, you get hit uh, by a bus and then yeah. bam, you're out of existence. Right. Mm-hmm. And so imagine, yeah, you're buried, everything, everyone's sad. We're all sad. I'm sorry, <laughs> Jess. <laughs> yeah. And then two years later or whatever, somebody spills toxic waste on your coffin. Right. And then bam, you're back. Right. And so, yeah. I feel like this movie is like about that feeling where you're just, you know, cause when you're a baby, when you get yanked into existence, you have no way of expressing what that means or the horror or the confusion around that, you know, you can cry, but people don't really understand what that means to you. But when you're an adult and you're yanked back, like in this movie, um, you know, I feel like a lot of this is kind of her, dealing with that and kind of learning how to put the pieces together and become human again. And a big part of that is her friend and her memory of her friend and the love between them. Um, I don't know if that uh, makes any sense question. at all. It does. It does. So with the people that are in, in coma for a long time, you think they experience almost like the same thing? Yeah, I think probably it's similar. I, I don't know too much about that. But yeah, it's like, you know, I don't know if it's like a day or it feels like a long time or if it feels like an instant. But um, to me, that's a that's a big part of what, you know, is happening. And, and that's kind of a cool way to kind of tie it into this zombie genre where you're, um, you know, you're not quite human. It's like she's relearning. There's a quote in the movie and I don't remember what it was, but it's either like she's relearning how to be human or like relearning how not to be dead. I think um, I don't remember, but I, I do agree. I do agree with that. And I think what, what was really cool about the movie, kind of you bringing that up is exactly what you said, where in the first, and the first time she wake up, there is no memory rec- recollection. She just kind of like woke up, killed the guy with her awesome nails, which we'll bring up very soon. <laughs> and then she subconsciously walked to her home. And once when she was in her home and she started um, seeing stuff that she owned and I'm guessing smelling and feeling it's when she started getting her memory back yep. which is this was really I think it was really smart of the director doing that way and so of like waking up and having like a bunch of flashes um coming right. up her it was just kind of like being surrounded yeah exactly and, and like Roland like you know his trademark is these like kind of steady camera not a lot of movement and it's very slow and he lets things develop you know, if you think about these like really low budget movies, you know, the the instinct of a lot of these directors is oh, we need to make it really bloody to make up for our, you know, our budget or we need to make it really trashy. Um, but he really lets the story kind of breathe 
throughout the movie and i find that very cool um <laughs> so fun way to put it yeah um and then you brought up her very close friend which her name is ellen ellen so, yeah helen helen yeah so the only memory that the main character Catherine has has to do with ellen which in our assumption is that means it's the strongest bond that she had through her life um and what's interesting about Ellen was, man, she did anything to keep her. <laughs> yeah, she was a baller friend. She was like, so So I, I guess going back to like some of these flashbacks that he shows, one of the flashbacks and one of the earliest kind of memories that this undead Catherine has is of their bond, which they basically prom- they did like a blood pact where they promised whoever died first the other one would just follow they would kill themselves Mm -hmm. and follow and so they you know cut themselves rub their palms together and you get a cool scene where you know you see this blood pact but um helen did not follow through with that obviously um and so i don't know if that drove some of the action like i think there's some guilt there it's like you know you you promised this to a friend which obviously like it wouldn't have been a sound (laughs) choice to just kill yourself um, i promised this when i was 10 so i have to (laughs) commit to it (laughs) right you know what precedes that or or sorry what follows that is that you know she basically is doing everything she can for her friend um and all of her unique needs desires I don't think it's much about guilt, to be honest. Like, as, while watching this movie, I never felt that Helen was of ever guilt. I think she was almost excited that she has a second chance to be with her friend. Um, and that excitement drove her to do extreme actions. Like, for example, she was really good at taking cues. Like, she realized that Catherine needed... Um, to drink human blood to survive and she did not have any problem bringing her victim like how'd she figure that out uh because she walked into her home and saw two dead people that she just throw away and then i can't remember did she just wash her like eat someone yeah i don't quite remember that either but it, it was the person trying to sell the house brought a boyfriend over and then they were um, yeah, but she already saw those two people dead. She didn't see. She didn't um, see the the murder, did she? Yeah, no, she didn't. I know so she I, cleaned up after it, but yeah, maybe yeah. she just. I, I don't remember. I'm I'm terrible with I think there's plot a, points, but I think there's a, a third person that like Ellen Washer like devoured almost like yum 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 needs it <laughs> need blood to survive, and Ellen's like got it got it. You need blood. I will get for you. But first, she started not with humans. She actually started with a pigeon. And then Catherine just spit it out. And just like, nah. <laughs> yeah, I she like, shit. <laughs> I don't know if she killed the dove or she like went in the barn and like pulled out this morning dove and offered yeah. it to her. And then like Catherine just like slaps it out of her. Yeah, Catherine slaps it out of her hand. It's like, no, that's not going to cut it. I need, I'm not I need vegetarian. <laughs> I'm not vegan. I'm a meat eater. <laughs> Oh, I heard. <laughs> okay, so I, I hear that being vegetarian is uh so so morning doves are vegetarian. Uh, I think when it comes to 
Vampires, the equivalent of vegetarian, is eating animals instead of humans. Okay, I'll buy that. Yeah. You buy it, it's a fact. You can Google yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Ellen was actually really good at bringing people into the house to um, to have Catherine to eat eat on them so then she can keep like it felt like she keep eating blood she would she acted more human she she was moving farther away from death and she was becoming more human than actually a sight ellen because that means she can have her friend back um yeah and i don't know if that was necessarily i honestly don't know if that was necessarily what she was eating or if that was just the time you know she's kind of waking up from this kind of coma or this you know temporary death um but yeah maybe maybe helen thought that that was (laughs) that the human flesh was doing that but you kind of have this you know um this struggle between something that's evil and unnatural which is killing and eating people and then also her becoming more human but they kind of play into each other because one can't exist without the other and then Mm -hmm. And that's what Helen kind of sees and is aiding in this movie. So I, I don't think Ellen assumes that um, Catherine is going to stop eating people, but I don't think she cared if it meant that she will have her Catherine back. So you think she would just keep going on forever? Oh, I think that she would teach Catherine how to hunt humans and then she doesn't have to do the dirty work and Catherine can just do it herself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with that, but I also think it's kind of a neat thought that, you know, maybe in Helen's mind, maybe if it's not, you know, maybe she doesn't believe it herself, but that eventually she'll have the old Catherine back that, you know, that this, this zombie like vampire um, like existence would, would go away eventually and she would have her normal friend back. Yeah, I do think that she was definitely acting out of selfish, self, selfish, <laughs> self, selfishness. Yes, thank you. Um, because throughout the movie, as Catherine eat more people and start being more human, she started hating herself because she considered herself evil because death was always around her, and she didn't want that life for herself. She wanted to be back to death like you said, because it didn't seem like she would stop being evil. While Ellen didn't care about her ev- about her evilness, she just wanted to, you know, hang out and have a life together. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it's, maybe there was selfishness there. It's kind of, it's also like incredibly selfless what she did, but maybe also, because, I mean, the I don't want to jump to the end maybe yet, but, you know, there's no going back from the end, right? Like, mm-hmm. she, she can't have her life with Catherine for how this movie ends. And she offers basically herself for her friend. Um, and so, you know, maybe for selfish reasons, that's why she was, you know, harming other people to keep her friend alive. But finally, at the, at the last moment, like, she gives herself up for her friend. Well, you know. so the way I saw that, and I, man, I saw that still as a selfish act. It's, um, I saw her as um, Ellen gave 
someone for Catherine to eat and she rejected it. She didn't want it to continue living. And I feel that Ellen felt that she couldn't continue living either with Catherine. Like she had a glimpse of zombie Catherine living together and she cannot continue living further. So she'd rather be dead than having continue having a life without her. Oh, that's interesting. So that's like a, an assisted suicide of sorts. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I guess maybe let's get into the end. (laughs) Yeah. We're pretty much in the end now. Um, so you can describe it. Yeah. I I mean, basically the ending is, uh, Helen offers herself as a, basically a meal for Catherine. (laughs) Um, the kind of final meal that's her final gift to her friend which is kind of silly just talking about but in the movie this is like, like a this 10 is one minute of, se- 10 minute scene <laughs> of grossum eating a human but I, <laughs> I, I also feel like it's a very emotional scene from this director I, i've never seen something like this before in a movie it's it's pretty crazy it's like the actress that plays Catherine does an amazing job where she's basically this kind of monotone zombie through the movie who's slowly kind of progressing. But at the end, she she is at her most human, but also doing kind of the vilest thing that she can do, which is <laughs> chomp down on her friend. And, and like <laughs> she she completely sells it. And then there's this long take that the director does you know, showing her basically eating her friend, but also being completely distraught about it. And so it's like, it's like the struggle of like her instinct versus what she knows, you know, she should be doing what, and she knows this is wrong. And kind of just that, that misery that she's feeling. Um, well, I don't know. Really it's re- enjoying her meal. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I can give I can give an example so like my my analogy to this is like you know when you have food poisoning yeah and like your stomach's so upset and you gotta throw up okay but but like like no one likes to throw up or very few people maybe there's some people into that but but like you're trying your hardest not to throw up like you know you don't you you don't want to throw up but you you have to throw up and you end up throwing up and it's traumatic and hard. <laughs> yeah. that, that's my analogy for what happens at the end. Like she, she needs to eat people. Like she can't fight that urge. Yeah. But like she's trying her best to fight it. And so like that emotional outpouring at the end where you have this like long take that's like zoomed up her chomping down on Helen's neck and then chomping down her fingers and the director slowly yep, like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> the director like slowly pulls out like he can't even watch that you know and, and then you know you get this very long shot of her um uh, that <laughs> that's the closest analogy I can give and I know I had it I had a different analogy. All right, go, go for it. <laughs> My analogy is like, you know, Taco Bell is bad for you. And you've been avoiding <laughs> Taco Bell for a long time. <laughs> and then, yes. And then I like you're yours like, better. You cannot eat Taco Bell because you just know it's not going to be good for your system. And you're going to be eating salads and you're going to trying really good. And then doesn't matter where you drive there's always a taco bell and you just go in <laughs> but you got the should... you've got the cheesy gordita right in front yeah. of you it's like you're <laughs> yeah. not gonna resist that you're yeah gonna eat you, it. 
you buy the Dorito taco, you buy the chalupa, and then you know you're scarving down the different type of tacos until until it switches to your analogy where you're like sitting there, you should not be throwing up. <laughs> you've combined, <laughs> you've combined both of our analogies. I like that. That's good. And that's how Catherine felt the whole time she was eating so, her closest friend. So when you watch this movie, think of vomiting and think of Taco, taco Bell. Bell. And I think you'll be on the right track to really figure it out. <laughs> Yeah. so i have uh, one i have one final question for you which is so you know if i were in that situation would you offer yourself would you let me eat you no actually i would go the route of stefan salvatore from vampire diaries and i'll be giving you a different type of animal for you to try and then I'll give you dope. I'll give you chicken. I'll give you other types. No, no, and no. Then- so, so I don't know your reference to Vampire Diaries. But I, <laughs> I don't know if anyone does because you're a well, sick, I try sick to make person. You, I will try to make you a vegetarian vampire. That would be no, my no, no. So, most time. So let's say I reject that. Like I cannot eat animal like flesh. I can't eat. I can't eat veggies. I need human flesh. And if I don't, I would die. So what would yeah. you do? What would you do? Uh, what would I do? I'll take my shotgun and I blow your head off. <laughs>